So real quick, as you may know, our theme for May is food trends. And you may have already listened, but there's a podcast on the playlist that talks about using crickets as a sustainable and environmentally friendly alternative source of protein. Yeah, crickets, I know. This is not new, but it's new to the West, and it's pretty promising, you guys. Compared to beef, it has three times the protein, uses 15 times less water, and produces 2,000 times less methane gas. And crickets don't just use substantially less water than beef, they also use less water than whey, lentils, soy, and eggs. Not to mention that it's got all the amino acids that come with an animal protein, plus tons more calcium and iron than other sources of meat. I know you're wondering about the taste. So it's not super buggy, and it doesn't really taste like much. If anything, it's just got a slightly nutty flavor. So if you want to give this whole thing a shot, Chirps, a company that was on Shark Tank and got a deal with Mark Cuban, is giving us 15% off an entire order. They have chips made with cricket flour, protein powder, and even a cookie mix. And they're sending 10 lucky chapters a sample to try out at their next meeting. So go to eatchirps.com and use the coupon code CHIRPS for breakfast. That's C-H-I-R-P-S, the number four, breakfast, and you'll get 15% off your order. Give it a shot. Bug appetit. Welcome to the Podcast Brunch Club podcast. I'm Adela, and I'm the founder of Podcast Brunch Club. And I'm Sarah, the chapter leader of the Houston Podcast Brunch Club chapter and the founder of Audible Feast, a podcast review website. So a quick overview for our new listeners. PBC is like book club, but for podcasts. We've now got almost 70 in-person groups on six continents. You could visit podcastbrunchclub.com to get involved. And every month we send out a thematic podcast playlist and then our chapters meet up in person to discuss and usually go off on a tangent and talk about other stuff they're listening to. And last month, the theme was libraries. The playlist was put together by two librarians at our first library partner chapter in Meridian, Ohio. And you can find the playlist at podcastbrunchclub.com slash libraries. Yes, we listened to some great episodes from This American Life the Public Libraries Podcast, Part-Time Genius, Schmanners, and Down to Earth. And so I was super geeking out over this <laughs> playlist yeah. because um, I was like, libraries. oh my God, I love libraries. And I feel I like that that is what I, that's what I feel like so many people said that when they saw that that's what the playlist was going to be about. They were like, oh my God, I love libraries. And one of the episodes even talked, or more than one of them, I think, even talked about that, how people say, like, they want them to exist, and they think they're, they're necessary, but they don't necessarily go to them. Oh, <laughs> like, I know. this dichotomy this is really yeah. interesting. And it's such a shame, too, because libraries have such great resources that I think a lot of people don't even know about, you know? Yes. You, you guys, for your meeting, went to a library, right? We Houston did. We meeting? decided. Yeah, we decided to have it at a branch of the Houston Public Library. And um, I, I was like, you know, in Houston, there's probably at least like 100 libraries that I could choose from. So I was like, mm -hmm. I don't even know how to pick like a good 
place, but I picked one that was sort of central and I read an article about it that this particular branch is the Young Neighborhood Library branch. It had been renovated or maybe it's even brand new um, within the last five years or something. So I was like, oh, well, that's cool. Most of the libraries I've been to are older, so I would be really interested to go to one that's newer and see if they offer anything different. Um, And so it was really modern inside and they had like the coolest furniture um really? and they had like a a whole separate area for teen like not oh. just teen books but like for teens to hang out so yeah i thought that was really cool um they had meeting rooms there that is something that i think is super underestimated about libraries is like it can be a free place to have a meeting like a yeah you could they had they only had a couple of meeting spaces but the meeting room that we met in had obviously been used quite a bit there was things mm-hmm. written all over this beautiful whiteboard and mm-hmm. um just like these nice tables and like a perfect just like a meeting room yeah. like you would have at at an office yeah um, i thought that was really cool yeah and i i love my library like we also have meeting rooms and a lot of them have um audio visual equipment in them so you can hook up your laptop to a big screen if you want to um there's like we have a maker space so i'm super i love it i like making things it just is very therapeutic to me but like they have everything at this maker space it's there's a laser cutter there's a cricket machine there's a sewing machine an embroidery machine they even have a carving machine a 3d printer they even have a 3d scanner i didn't even know these things existed <laughs> like you could put your phone case or something into the 3d scanner it scans it and then you can print it it's crazy. That is really cool. They have an uh like a room that you could record podcasts in with a green like green screen, like one wall painted green so that you can also do video in it. What? That is yeah. amazing. And they have like a place where you can convert all your uh your media to digital so like converting your dvds or your photos or your really cool even like the old school eight millimeter stuff you can that's really cool it is it's so cool they have we can check out broku players it's awesome yeah i thought this the stuff that you can check out from the library i thought was really cool the one we went to had wi-fi hotspots that you could check out um which i didn't even think of and like the what I really like about that like civics kind of community minded thing is that it's accessible to everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that yeah. I mean that's overall that is what I think is the most awesome about libraries is that everything is right. free. Um, like the number of books that my kids and myself can read because yeah. they're just there and everyone can share them. It's like this like amazing concept of um, just like being accessible to anyone. They, just, don't they call it the third space? Was yes. In one of the yes, podcasts? I, yes. I really, that, that, that's probably the thing that out of all that, those episodes that resonated with me the most was mm-hmm. I had never heard that term, but I really, um, I do feel like it's a third space for me. And so they, the, they were talking about how, you know, we, we go to work and we go home and those are like the two places that we go or mm-hmm. we go to school and we go home. Um, but there's not this like kind of neutral mm-hmm. place that you don't have to, you're not like, you don't have to do anything there. Like yeah. you don't have to pay for anything there. You don't have to buy a coffee. Like yeah. it's just a place that you can go that's inside that is like a safe, like haven kind of. Yeah. It's a, and librarians. amazing. I mean, librarians, like, can we just talk about that for a second? Because these people are like, 
they are just there to help you. That's the amazing thing. You know, like you could go in there and say, I need to know, I don't know, this random thing. And their job is to help you figure it out. It's not just that the library is a resource and you can go there and look it up yourself. But librarians, they are there to help you figure it out. And that's what's amazing to me. The other thing that I loved about one of the podcasts, and I forget which one, is that, and we talked about this at our Chicago meeting, uh, was it's it's the only place that you can go that you don't have to buy anything or believe in anything. Mm, Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So. Yeah, um, we we just, we, we, the people that met in Houston in our podcast brunch club all kind of used the library at different frequencies and for totally different things. So. Um, you know, some people used the library for like ebooks, um, mm-hmm. or checking out movies, um, like digitally, which is really cool. Um, other people used it for like a subscription service, like, uh, lynda.com is something that a lot of libraries have. You can get access to lynda.com or I guess it's not lynda.com anymore, but it used to be it's the LinkedIn learning thing now. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that is that is expensive <laughs> yeah and there's I mean, some because awesome it's a place stuff to learn. on there yes yeah yeah, yeah. they have um, classes at mine too tons of classes yeah yeah i it's i think it's really interesting to hear about what's available at different libraries around yeah. the united states or even in other countries too because it's you can kind of tell how funded each one of them is yeah. by its community yeah um yeah, that's something we actually asked about a little bit on on the Podcast Brunch Club Facebook group and Twitter about whether or not people are seeing their libraries closing. And for the most part, the responses were like, no, we're actually getting bigger or there's a lot of renovation happening. So that was really nice to see. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think um, when Hurricane Harvey came through here in Houston, my particular branch that I go to, yeah. it's the Barbara Bush Library. The library was shut down for about eight months, I think. Mm-hmm. And so they had a massive renovation. Um, and it was like really nice to see that it came back instead of closing it. It was never in, in question. Like, yes, this library is going to reopen. This is important to the community. But it was there were two feet of water in the building. So the yeah. whole downstairs, it's a two floor library The whole downstairs was just destroyed they had to replace an elevator and everything like all their air oh conditioning God. units it was so expensive yeah so i think i remember that when i, I remember seeing on facebook that you were looking for donations for the library right yes. when that all happened <laughs> yeah i was like you act- if you're going to if you're going to put your money anywhere like keep my little library open yeah, cuz we go there a lot well and i think it's just there's a like this there's this also this something that i feel this is like kind of like philosophical, I guess, or something. Mm-hmm. But as a parent, I really appreciate the l- other little things that it teaches my kids. So they've learned, mm-hmm. they, they're learning about alphabetizing by going to the library. Mm-hmm. They learn about how to, um, how to ask for help from a librarian. Like how, mm-hmm. like how do you, when they're really little, those are things that you need to, right. they're like social skills, but it, but not with somebody that's your teacher that you see every day or your mom. Right. It's like a, this, again, like this third space place yeah. that you need to learn how to interact with people in it. They also yeah. learned like my older son, he's seven. 
he loves the process of requesting a book online and he wants to use his own <laughs> card and then like it comes in his name when we go to pick it up it's in his oh, name like like i think that that's really cool like establishing this sense of um independence that yeah. i can d- decide what i want to read i can figure out how to get it i can locate it in the library and if the library doesn't have it i know the process in which to get it i think yeah that's great so yeah and you can always ask like, if you don't know where they're there to help you and you know that's the thing about library staff that i love too is that they're not seen as like this authority figure this bureaucratic you know face or whatever they're actually i see them more as like partners in your own experience partners in your learning or your creating um it, you know at the makerspace that i go to there's they're staffed and they're just there like you come with an idea in your head of what you want to do you don't know how you're going to execute it but they just sit down with you and help you figure out how to do it they might not know either but they're gonna like sit there with you and invest the time to figure right. it out and yeah, and speaking of all the cool things that other libraries do, yes. We um we did ask the question on the Facebook group and on Twitter, do you use your local, local library at why or why not and if so what services do you typically use? And I learned some really cool things. Like I didn't know that li- I know about lynda.com or LinkedIn Learning or whatever now. I did not know that libraries had that, which is huge. Yeah. But somebody else said like Canopy, which is for streaming movies. I heard about there's like a a library that offers services to help people figure out their gardening issues. Like mm, they have, cool. uh, yeah, like office hours once a week for, I don't know, people who don't have a green thumb or whatever. So she went in and she got, you know, the whole list of instructions on what to do to help her lawn. Um, you know, just like things that you wouldn't think they would offer at a library. My library even has chair yoga on Fridays for, you know, for older adults who, yeah, yeah, just need to move a little bit. Yeah. We have yoga at my library too. And we also have a a tax or they had like tax services. I I don't, I don't know how much they helped or whatever. Like we do our own taxes, but they had tax services here right before tax day. And they also did they, I think they're bringing it back. They, this is kind of on and off. They do passport services at my library, which oh. is amazing. Instead of yeah. having to go to like a make an appointment at yeah. whatever, wherever at the post office or whatever, but that is that was really helpful because in general, I mean, it's probably still the same people from the county or whatever, but they send the nice people to the library. That's what I find. <laughs> so yeah. it's they're the people that want to be like out in the community helping people with this stuff. So it's not the person that's like. Ugh, I've been in this job forever and I hate this. I don't want to be a government employee anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're the people who want to be there. That's the coolest part. And they're not bureaucrats. They're just there to help. But um, yeah, so you guys had your uh, meeting at a library. And I know a couple of other our other chapters also did something at libraries. I know our DC chapter met at the Georgetown Library. I know that our New York City chapter met at a space that um, is library adjacent. I don't know if it's exactly a library, but it's a sort of space that promotes library use and and other things. But they also are the organization behind the Preserve This Podcast uh, endeavor. So it's called Metro. I wasn't really clear if it was a a library. I think it is a library because just I saw the the quick picture just this morning. But um, they're doing the Preserve This podcast, so they did sort of a joint event there. And I'm trying to think if I saw any others. We didn't go to a library, but we 
always meet at a place that has like a ton of books all over the the space. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that our Omaha chapter met at a pub called the Library. Hey, that so, counts too. Yeah, that counts. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so that that was just fun to see this month, and that's why I like that we're doing this new schedule where we're we're waiting to record our conversation, you and I, Sarah, until after we've all had our meetings, so we can talk a little bit about things that we heard coming out of the other meetings or at our own meetings. Yeah. And um, let me use this a quick second just to pitch everybody. A couple episodes ago, I put out a really quick five-minute update episode about this new schedule and just basically hammering home that Podcast Brunch Club is a community and that means you guys. And so we are asking you to fill out a really quick survey. You can find the link on the Podcast Brunch Club podcast page. So if you go to podcastbrunchclub.com and then click on the podcast link at the top, there should be a link to the survey. It's like 13 questions, should take you three minutes. Uh, We just want to make sure that whatever we're talking about, you want to hear about. So (laughs) we don't want to do this if you don't like it. So um, (laughs) tell us quick pitch. Yeah, Tell us all of your deep thoughts. Yes. We won't take any of it personally. No. So we are going to take a quick break before we diverge to talk about the drama going on in the podcast world. So, Adela, Luminary. Oh, God. The drama. We have very, we have very, very strong feelings about mm-hmm. Luminary. Um, mm-hmm. And mostly we're in agreement, I think. So, oh, I mean, yeah. there's not, not going to be a whole lot of back and forth here. But no. We're not happy about Luminary. No. Not happy at all. No. Yeah, and my big issue, I think where our big issues might differ. I, I see, I know your big issue and I agree with you, but my big issue is a little bit different. And that for me, it's about Luminary, which is for those of you who don't know, uh, like a, it's a new startup. It's got an app uh, and they are, they have 40 something exclusive shows. And the whole thing is that they're ad free and they, they just really, bungled this launch and they really alienated a lot of the podcast world by saying like podcasts don't need ads and uh everybody was like uh yeah maybe not if you have a hundred million dollars in venture capital backing you but if you know you're a person in your closet like i am uh i might need ads to help make this a reality and that's kind of ridiculous and for me the thing that they bungled was i don't know they said something about clubs but for podcasts and if you want those you belong at luminary and i was like i don't really see how that makes any sense whatsoever in terms of what you're doing which is basically just creating exclusive content i don't know what that has to do with like a book club for for podcasts so i got really aggravated about that Um, and for me, it's that their whole model. So they're going to charge $8 a month. The app itself is free. Um, but they are taking all of the free content that is out there and putting it on their app for free, just like all of the other podcast apps do. But then if you want to pay for the $8 a month, then you get access to their exclusive premium content that are ad free. And for me, what they're doing is they're building the user base for their app on the backs of the podcasters who are not within their network. And they're not sharing the revenue. They're, they're, um, they're doing some weird shady things on the back end. We can talk about that lady. But for me, the crux of the issue is that they are building their entire user base on the backs of podcasts like ours, where you know we're not charging and 
they know that they can't build an app for 40 podcasts and then have their users just come to their app for just those 40 podcasts and go somewhere else for the rest of the stuff that they listen to. They know that they won't get the users that they need. So they're using us as a way to build up their user base. And that just, that pisses me off. But I know you have another reason and it's a well, good one. I totally, totally understand that. I, yeah. I totally agree with that. And, you know, you are not alone in that. That is, so um, <clears throat> Nick Qua's Hot Pod had an excellent write-up. I think it was this last week um, about this whole this whole concept and all of the things basically that have been bungled. There's been a couple of other good articles. The The Verge had a really good article too about some of the problems on the rollout, uh, and we can link to those. But the the thing, the additional thing that I have an issue with, and this is probably going to sound very like. I don't know, socialist or something of me. <laughs> but I, I, as a writer, I write about podcasts that I think other people should listen to or maybe the ones that they should not listen to. And I've my job is to critique shows and give feedback. And I cannot critique a show that is not accessible to everyone. The mm-hmm. medium, as it has been created, is free. And mm-hmm. I have never... Uh, been willing to review or even I'm not going to I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to review a show that someone has to pay for to listen to because that is that's not accessible to everyone. And um, yeah, yeah, it it just really I really don't like the subscription model in general. So that is I guess that's not luminary specific. They just happen to be the the ones that I'm pissed off at right now. But um, a lot of the other ones also already existed before they launched their exclusive shows. And it doesn't feel like it was just like a natural, yeah, organic next step for things like Stitcher. But and sometimes Stitcher will do it where it's like six months you know, it'll be behind a paywall. But right. after and that, then it comes out. That's correct. And that's okay. That's fine. Right? That's yep. fine for me. Yep. And yep. just even the, the, the like catchphrase, the Netflix of podcasting is nonsense. Like that's mm-hmm. just nonsense. Because Netflix took something that was super expensive to do, creating movies, you know, hiring actors, all yep. of the stuff that goes into movies and show design and whatever. And they put it behind a paywall. Fine. Okay. But like, one of the best things about podcasts is that there is a very low barrier to entry. Yes. So that is frustrating to me also. Like, don't compare yourself to Netflix. Yes. And that low barrier to entry means that we get to hear from diverse voices. And people that don't have money can still share their voice. And that is super, super important to me. Like, the I feel like some of the worst podcasts and I'm not going to name them mm-hmm. but some of the worst podcasts are backed by a ton of money and mm-hmm. they are terrible either they drone on for 3 hours or right. it's like not edited at all or like what like and so I I'm not convinced that a subscription model podcast something that's exclusively available from a subscription model is going to be better like yeah. the th- I I just I've seen what a lot of money can do, and it, it doesn't necessarily mean that you can make a good podcast. You might right. be able to get a big name and pay the person, but right. and I and I understand that's not what their whole goal is. They're not just trying to get like celebrities to do podcasts. There are some notable shows that they have on on their in their 
exclusive tier that mm-hmm. are not from super famous people, but are from, you know, well-known podcasts like Love and Radio is the one that's coming to mind. Mm-hmm. But I just, I don't know. Somebody, somebody said to me, I think I was debating this on Reddit and somebody said to me, um, well, don't you think podcast creators should be paid? Yeah. And <laughs> that's not the question. Just, that's not the question that like, of course, if you right. can, if you, yes, I think that if you create something, you should, be, if you want to, if you want to get paid for that, then there should be a way for you to get paid, but it involves doing some work. And, yeah. um, and this is where you go back to the whole, like, oh, we don't need ads. Like, right. no, unfortunately that is what the, the, the free model is based on ads like that's what I don't know know. yeah and and also that comment annoys me because like of course we think that podcasters deserve to be paid but that's exactly what Luminary is not doing they are not paying the hundreds of thousands of podcasts that they're pulling in Mm -hmm. and not paying they're using those hundreds of thousands of podcasts to build a user base for the 40 podcasts that they are going to pay. And that's where I have the issue. Like it's just, and you know, I'm the same way, Sarah, like I am not going to ever include, and I said this to them when they posted that stupid tweet uh, about the, you know, if you like, you know, if you want a book club, but for podcasts, you should join Luminary. And I was like, "Uh, what? That doesn't even, it doesn't even make sense. But like, (laughs) but I wrote, I, somebody tagged me in it, I think they tagged podcast brunch in it and I, you know, cause they were like, uh, and I responded saying, you know, that's interesting. Um, as a book club, but for podcasts, I will never include a podcast on the playlist that lives behind a paywall period. Like it's just not going to happen. And I didn't even mean it to be super snarky, but I guess it came off that way because I got picked up in in the inside podcasting newsletter, all of a sudden, somebody was like, oh, she's throwing fighting words. And I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. I mean, that's fine. I wasn't really, I was just being direct and just saying, well, I'm not going to ever, I can't, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Like membership in Podcast Bunch Club is free. It's always been free. I can't imagine a time where I would ever want to charge people to do this because it's just what it's all about and it's community. But like, I'm not going to force them to pay $8 a month to listen to a podcast that's on a playlist. It's cuckoo. No, <clears throat> no. And I, I mean, I have this like slightly, um, well, this is like maybe like super um, liberal comment of me, but I also, I have an issue with a um, random startup coming out of nowhere with all this venture capital money, deciding what should be exclusive and what should not. Mm-hmm. And right. like, and what is deserving, therefore, of their value cap, va- va- not sorry, venture capital dollars? Like, right. I don't, I, I don't know. That just feels very like, um, not democratic to me, or something. Like, I don't know. It just seems yeah. really yucky. Is the best word I can think of. And so, therefore, do I want to start? Um, do I want to spend money to to pay a company that I feel like is doing things that are that don't make me feel good about how they treat their creators and the other creators that they deem are not exclusive enough. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't like that at all. Yeah. Yeah. And the other side of it, and I don't know how deep you got into these weeds, but I'm just going to 
try to mention it quickly, is that they are doing some really shady things on the back end, the tech side. So one of the things that they're doing, from, my, from, my, from what I've heard, and I don't know if they've fixed it yet, but they are removing links from people's show notes on their mm-hmm. app. And so if you link out to a sponsor or you link out to your Patreon page, that link is gone on the Luminary yeah. app. And they're saying that it's like for security reasons, which is complete BS. Yeah. And um, the other thing that they're doing is they're like not there's some sort of like thing with their server or something proxy server. I don't know. Again, they may have corrected this, but in the very beginning, they were not essentially not sharing their stats with the podcasts that have Mm -hmm. been pulled in. And so I think for these two reasons, and we did not talk about this at all, but it is very relevant to the conversation, is a lot of big name podcasts have pulled their podcasts off Luminary. And if anybody is out there and listen and is a podcast creator and they want to pull off Luminary, just um, I posted it on the face on the podcast brunch club Facebook group. I posted the link on how to do that. Um, but like Joe Rogan experience, uh, New York Times, I think the Daily is not on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gimlet's not on there. But PRX pol- has pulled all their shows. That's a lot of shows. Right. All the Radiotopia stuff is gone then. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of other big networks that I can't think of ESPN right now. ESPN pulled their podcasts off. Um, yeah, there's a few. There's a Barstool Sports, I think, pulled theirs off. There's a lot. Yeah. yeah. So and it's only going to grow because because that's the trend, like that's the momentum that's happening is that yeah. it's going in that direction. So I don't know. I mean, it, part of me is like uh, enjoying the I have my popcorn and like I'm kind of no, enjoying for sure. watching it. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, like I understand from the creator standpoint, this is very frustrating and you you don't want. I, like so I'm assuming you did already submit for your for this show to be removed from Luminary, correct? Mm, you're calling me out, huh? So I, <laughs> I was just it. curious if it yeah. if it had actually been. I'm curious about the process, or if anybody's out there listening that if if you've done it, if you've actually seen that it has been removed, or how that's going. Yeah, let me let me explain. So I haven't. I think honestly, it's it has a lot to do with the fact that I've just been flipping a house that I'm trying to get done literally today. At today at nine fifteen <laughs> p.m., I'm getting on a flight to Europe. So those are two big reasons. But like the other reason is, and I actually emailed James Cridland about this. He's the person who writes the um, pod news newsletter. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's really in the know about stuff because he keeps putting these like little lines in there. He'll he'll say all the drama going on with Luminary and how this network or that network pulled off their shows. And then he'll put a line that says, just for your information, I have not pulled off my show because he Mm -hmm. has a show. And so I wrote to him and I just said, like, out of curiosity, you know, why have you not pulled off your show? I also have not pulled my off my show. I'm mainly because I'm lazy and busy. <laughs> and like, also, our show doesn't get that many downloads that I think it would even make right. a statement. I just was curious, like, do you have a reason that I'm not aware of that you would keep your show on there? And he wrote back and he is like, he goes, well, basically, a listener is a listener. Mm-hmm. And I don't like what they're doing. Uh, but You know, I also just want to make sure that my readers know sort of where I am because I'm writing all this stuff about him. So I want to be transparent. I have not yet pulled off the show. I probably will when I get a second. But again, like it's not going to make the statement it needs to make. But probably in aggregate, if all of us indies pulled off our shows, which we probably should, 
It's just that, you know, you don't know where it's going to go. You don't know how they're yeah. going to pivot. And then if all of a sudden you're off their network and you, you know, it is huge. I mean, it's hard to, I, I don't want to, you know, I have to make a stand and I will, but yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's complicated. Yeah. Yeah. Or if it, if the aggregate will matter, like, like we, I was just saying it's the trend is that these big name places are pulling their shows off, but Will they ultimately just go back on and this is just a bump in the road for Luminary and, you know, it's just some technical things that they need to fix and, you know, make nice with that's probably what will happen. But it doesn't stop us from being irritated um, right now. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. they're not really trying to make nice, though. They're kind of being snarky and digging their heels in, which is somewhat surprising. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I just. It just feels very. No, it just doesn't feel great. And mm-hmm. I I get it. Like a lot of shows, existing shows are on their network now. So note to self, like you mentioned, Love and Radio and a bunch of others. I think um, it's the audio drama one by Lauren Shippen. Oh, yeah. Bright. Uh, Bright Sessions. Bright Sessions. Yeah. Yeah. And she wrote up a whole piece about like why she's on the network. And and I get it. I understand it from the creator's perspective. It's a lot of work to try and go and get out and get advertising or sponsors or even, you know, build up your Patreon. Because like basically, I mean, I'm at this phase too, right? Like where I keep wanting to... I have a Patreon. I don't really talk about it just because, I don't know, it's hard to ask for money. But like... I also, the idea of adding more things that I have to create as bonus content is hard to figure out how I'm going to do that, you know, and I'm already having a hard enough time creating what I create for free. So to create something extra to then give out for like $5 or whatever a month is like, it's just hard. So mm-hmm. I get it from the, for, from the, from the perspective of the creators who go onto their network. It, it's understandable. Um, I've heard like the, some of the numbers are like, you know, about a million dollars for a show. Um, and I guess when you have a hundred million dollars to play with, it's yeah. not that hard to give out a million, but um, you know. Yeah. But I'd like to see where I'd like to see I'm, I'm what I'm really interested in watching from the business standpoint is where they like you and I've talked about this separately, where they start to see that return on investment that for that, those venture capitalists, like, right that's they need a lot of subscribers to get some get that money back and um right. yeah this is a rocky start so we'll yeah see. and can we just talk about real quick before we wrap this part up uh i keep hearing advertisements for luminary on other podcasts which is like completely mind-blowing i just heard it on death sex and money the other day like wow I keep hearing it. I saw a huge uh, billboard in Chicago when I was getting mm. on the expressway the other day. It's like, you know, all the big names, Trevor Noah, because they're they've got big names, Trevor Noah. I heard Roxanne Gay is coming onto the network, mm-hmm. Lena Dunham. Like, there's going to be big names, but like, if people have to only go there for those forty podcasts and go everywhere else for other podcasts, I just wonder how many people they'll get. And I think they know that, and I think that's why. They're doing what they're, they're taking doing. your stuff for free. That's why mm-hmm. they're giving your yeah. stuff away for free. That's right. Right. But I do want to say one thing that's not on topic, but we, this is our divergent section. So we usually talk, this is a little different. We usually talk about like what podcasts we're loving lately. And we didn't do that this time, but I do want to have, I have a quick shout out. So as I mentioned in the update episode, which I, you know, five minute update episode, go, go listen. Um, 
so the Podcast Brunch Club community as is at the heart of what PBC is. And in that vein, what I've started to do is highlight our PBC members who are also creators. And I'm highlighting them on the PBC website and the newsletter and social. And so we recently featured our first profile. It's of Jenna Spinelli, who leads our virtual chapter. And she also does a lot of our writing for our feature articles on the Podcast Brunch Club website. And she is the producer and host on the Democracy Works podcast from the McCourtney Institute for Democracy at Penn State. And it's a podcast that examines how people are trying to make democracy work. And they just had an episode that featured Sarah Koenig. They, she came, apparently cool. Sarah Koenig, yeah, she came to Penn State to do a live show and they recorded it and they included it as part of, um, of their podcast. So uh, go find the show. It's really awesome. Jenna is amazing. She helps so much. Uh, and I, you know, I just always want to try and find ways to, you know, give back to the community like Sarah does so much, like all of all of the chapter leaders do so much. So so just keep an eye out for these profiles where we're going to we're going to start by featuring the chapter leaders who are creators and then we'll probably roll it out to some of our members. And yeah, just keep an eye out for it. Look on the Podcast Brunch Club website for the profile on Jenna. I'm looking forward to that. I like to, in my Audible Feast newsletter, I try to profile creators sometimes too. So um, it it always like points me to, well, what I love, that's what I love about podcasting is that people who make stuff are real people. Like they're not a yeah. company, like, or mostly, you know, it's like a right. person. So it's really cool to get to know people. That's, I love that feature. Well, thank you for joining us this month. We will, of course, be coming to your feed soon with more interviews with the creators of the shows on our playlists. You can get in touch with us anytime through the Podcast Brunch Club or Audible Feast websites. And happy listening. Hey, Podcast Brunch Club. A quick thanks to our organizational partners. Podchaser, Critical Frequency, Audio Boom, and Listen Notes. These are all companies you should look into if you're interested in great content and podcast discovery. They support and give back to the listener community. If you're an individual or an organization and you want to support the amazing listener community, think about becoming a supporter. Go to patreon.com slash podcastbrunchclub. Hey everyone, this is Steve. I'm the leader of the Minneapolis chapter of the Podcast Brunch Club. I'm here with some info about everyone who makes this show possible. Most importantly, please rate and review the Podcast Brunch Club podcast on your podcast player of choice. Helps us out a lot. The music you heard today is downloaded from Free Music Archive. Commons Community. Poddington Bear. With their song, Elephant Walk. The ad music is from Mazel Ghana. With their song, Paradise. Podcast Brunch Club is organized by the amazing bionic woman, Adela. Adela's co-host on the podcast is Sarah Da Silva, the leader of the Houston chapter of the Podcast Brunch Club and founder of Audible Feast. Audio editing is done by me, Steven Zampanti. You can connect with me on my website, conceptualpodcasting.com. Thanks, and happy listening! <laughs>